Hello, hockey fans, and welcome to the podcast. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast, and along with Chris Leitz, I'm your host, Mark Warner. Today we have a spe- very special guest from the Hockey Riders in to talk a little Edmonton Oilers hockey. Rob Saria's in. You can catch him on Twitter, at oil underscore dump, and he's one of the main contributors for the Oilers over there at the Hockey Riders. Rob, how you doing tonight? I'm good, guys. How are you? It's about the fifth time I've asked you that so far, so you're still good. That's good. That's good. I had some yeah, techni- yeah. had some technical difficulties on my end to lead the show off, but we got it handled. We're doing pretty good. We're doing pretty good. Chris had a good outline for us to start the show. We usually uh, we'll we'll pick up the Oilers talking segment two, but uh, we usually do a little 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 blurb here. We go around the league, talk about current news and events, and the news out of Toronto this week was that the. The uh, iconic Maple Leaf logo is set to change. Um, Chris, what's going on with that? Yeah, for the 100th, I guess the 100th anniversary, the Leafs next year that they haven't unveiled it yet, I saw about a week or so ago, CBS Sports uh, had an article about the Leafs going to have a new logo, new jerseys for next year. I, I don't know if it will be a dramatic departure, as we were talking all there. Mark, you mentioned the franchise has changed uh, a few times. Uh, the logo, the jersey, but they've usually been tweaked. I, I just, I just hope, uh, which kind of surprised me to be honest with you. Uh, I just hope that, I mean, maybe I'm biased, but there's certain franchise. You know, if you're a new franchise, whatever sport you're in, um, you know, if you're the uh, if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars, you might turn to change your jersey. I don't care. But if you're the uh, <laughs> Dallas Cowboys or the Chicago Bears, I don't want you changing your jerseys. And I kind of feel that way about. Uh, you know, teams like the when I think of the original six, so I can't imagine that they're going to go uh, uh, kind of night and day with their jerseys and logos, but uh, and a new logo. But uh, I, I will be curious to see what what it, what it looks like. Now, Rob, you're uh, you're the Canadian son here. You're up in Edmonton. Is there any uh, any backlash or anything like that? Is anybody hating on Toronto for changing it, or is it just kind of like okay, it's been there 45 years. Let's see what you're going to do next. Well, they they hate on Toronto just because it's Toronto, right? Well, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but as far as the logo goes, um, I, I pretty much I'm in agreement with Chris. To be quite honest with you, I think it'll just be minor, minor, minor tweaking. Like, in my opinion, it's nothing more than a quick uh, cash cow for them to sure. sell an extra load of jerseys next year, right? I can't see a big difference, really. Well, like you guys said it. It's iconic. It's classic. It, if they come out with something out of the box, I'd, I'd be stunned. Yeah, so I, I, maybe it's to to you know give the all the fans that threw their jerseys on the ice over the last couple of years a chance to buy something new. <laughs> yeah, there would you all, go. Would all due respect to Maple Leaf Nation, if there's one thing I would say that's not wrong with the organization, it's their jerseys and their logo. Right. That you don't have to touch. I will yeah, tell you. If you think back to the to the early uh, early nineties, there where they ran for like almost like a third jersey, they ran like the classic jersey where the leaf, the maple leaf was a little different, which I think was from the mid thirties. You know, I would expect something like that, but yeah, nothing too major. Because yeah, you guys are right. It's a great jersey. Not, not a big Leafs fan, never have been, but it's a, it is a great jersey. It's one of the most recognizable logos in all of sports. I mean, you can't go too off the wall yep. with it. I'm sure. But I guess I guess we'll see. Hundredth anniversary jersey, original six. Maybe you, maybe you add a shoulder patch with your original six. Uh, you know, hundredth anniversary 
something something like that some little new jersey twitch twitch but not too much um chris we wanted to talk about the penguins the rangers what do you where do you want to go i'm all, I'm all ears tonight um let's just start with the rangers um you know they got off to that incredible start i think they won like 10 or 11 games in a row uh early on although a lot of people were writing out here how you know the the, it was a little, the Rangers weren't playing as well as their winning streak based on the unbelievable goaltending they were getting. I still thought they were playing pretty decent, although they were giving up a lot of shots. Uh, but they have been in a bad way for a little while now. They Believe it or not, uh, they are 3-9-2 and two in their last 14 games. I mean, they're still in second place the Metro going into tonight, uh, a couple days before Christmas, but only one point ahead of the Islanders, with a, but a bunch of teams closing in. And it's not just that they're in a, you know, they're losing, they're playing pretty good and not getting puck clock and losing three to two or losing in overtime. They've had some really rough losses. I mean, last night uh, they lost to the Capitals seven to three. I I saw that they were up three one after the first period. Uh, Sunday night, you know, it's season finale at Homeland, so I had I had to watch that. I figured the Rangers had take the night off from hockey, and then in the morning newspaper today, I was shocked to see. Uh, the Caps put a seven spot at the Garden. So uh, I'd be a little concerned. Uh, they're not playing as well defensively all around, and Dan Girardi's having a bit of a rough year. A lot of, there's a lot of miles on him. A lot of people now think he's a, no longer a top-four defenseman, that he's a third-carrying defenseman. There's a, there's a number of concerns. Their backup goalie got hurt in Minnesota, took a puck uh, slap shot off, his, off the head. Um, and obviously they have to be careful with him. So... Uh, be some concerns, and and uh, last point I would make is, you know, the last couple of years the Rangers have had a lot longer season than other teams, and I don't know how much that has come into play. Uh, Mark, you can uh, attest to, to that fact, uh, how that played on the Kings last year. So, so you know, I still expect the Rangers to uh, obviously get one of those automatic spots in the Metro, but they're in a they're in a trying time right now. I will say. Uh... I'll throw this at Rob. Two of those losses came to your Edmonton Oilers in the last ten games, if I have that right. Yeah. And what? Yeah, on Glenn Sather night. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. They, <laughs> they split those games to the Oilers, but the Oilers almost beat them at the Garden the second time. Yeah, they split one each in the, the Sather night game, where you know it was like eighty talking in a sense, or seven five. Right, right. Um, the biggest issue, too, that you've seen with them of late is, well, Lundqvist has been pulled twice, if not three times, I think, in the last week. So, and that, that's how this team goes, right? It, it's the defense, you guys are right, it's, they're struggling a bit, but it's, if Lundqvist doesn't stand on his head, they, they're going to struggle. They don't score a lot of goals. Um, that's the Rangers thing, right? Come playoff time, the Rangers will be fine. I think you make a good point, Chris. Um, about um, them playing a lot of hockey over the last couple of years. Unfortunately for them, it didn't end up turning into any Stanley Cup, but the fact of the matter is they're playing those games, and those guys are getting older, some of them, guys like Girardi, who you know the analytic community have been, has been on for years. Um, you're, you're starting to see it, right? I, I think a guy like Yandel's been okay this year. He's helped the power play, but again, there's there's holes on that team, right? But very much like the Canadians, I think, you know, there's, in today's NHL, everyone goes through a slump. It's just how it is. Call it parity, call it schedule, call it whatever it is. Seems like every team slumps, no matter how good you are. 
Well, you, you say that once they get the playoffs, the, their style of hockey does lend itself to success in the playoffs, but they got to be careful they make the playoffs. That's what happened to my boys in L.A., last year yeah. uh, and that was the yeah. same you know that was the same reason everybody was going oh they've played a lot of hockey the last three years two cup finals and a western conference final when the, if when they make the playoffs they're going to be a favorite well whoops if, when you lose to yeah. edmonton and calgary in in the last week uh with the season on the line um and you don't make the playoffs uh, I guess you get that long yeah. rest you were looking for at that point. Yeah, no. It's good that you've gotten past those late, those last couple week losses, Mark. I don't remember them by heart. No, no, not at all, not at all. Um, well, he's, he's dead on though. That cost him. That cost him the season. That was it. And if I it remember was. correctly, while them coming in to here and you know with all. Due respect to Jones, who's been really good in San Jose. Why he started in the game in Edmonton, I I do not know. But hey, that's uh, that's something for another day. I'll tell you what I do remember about that game is Drew Doughty took over the last eight minutes of that third period, and he did everything he could to tie that game up, and never got never got it in. But uh, man, you look at Drew Doughty in that game, and you're like, man, I wish Coach Sutter would take the the leash off of him once in a while and let him play because that was almost the best. I, and I watch him really close. Um, that was almost the best hockey I've ever seen him play. He was, he was dynamite that game. I can't say much for the rest of the squad though. In all honesty, he's the one guy in the league that I wish played on a different team. Cause he's not allowed to do what, what is clearly there. And uh, no. play with any sort of regularity. But, you know, whatever. The shackles are on in L.A. That's how Sutter coaches. Yeah, it is. Yes, it is. But, yeah, definitely a wizard. Definitely a wizard. Let's move on. There's been some rumblings. Uh, crazy, crazy talk out of out of Pittsburgh along the lines of what's going on in Tampa. That, uh, what do we do? Trade Crosby? Um, crazy talk, in my opinion. But uh, I don't think he's so much the player that he was before and my old my the last uh the buffalo kid always gave me gave me crap for this but i don't think he's been the same player since his second concussion and then his his broken jaw um i don't know what it is i mean he's still top five player in the league don't get me wrong i'm gonna get all kinds of email for this uh but he i don't know what do you think chris yeah, the Rangers situation, let's say, is uh, at a DEFCON two and a half. Well, the Penguin situation is like DEFCON four moving to DEFCON five. I mean, I I think this is a trick uh, beyond a tricky time for them. Um, they really have not played well at all this year. If it wasn't for Mark Andre Fleury, who's now hurt with a concussion, they think it's a one to two week thing, but you never know. Uh, how they, uh, you know, they're in the middle of a four-game losing streak, uh, and Flory has held this team together. I mean, uh, you know, considering they're 15, 14, and 3 as of this podcast, so that's over five, at least NHL math over 500, but they have the 28th-ranked offense, the 28th-ranked power play, and the 19th-ranked defense. That does not sound, those are not, that's not stats as a good team. And I don't know what they can really do. I know they made that trade. Uh, you know, uh, me and Mark have affinity for Rob Scuderi. He, he's from a town, one town away from me here in Long Island, New York. And, of course, he's 
part of the, one of the Kings championship teams. They moved him out to Chicago for Trevor Daly, which I don't know how much that's going to really help them. But, again, as we talked about before the season started, this is a team that's cap-strapped and has $38 million of, cap, of their $71 million cap tied up to five players. And Malkin, Corsby, Kessel, Flory, and Latang. So uh, they're cap-strapped. They don't have a lot of flexibility. It's very hard for them to make any significant moves. Um, they're a mess. And uh, like I said, the only thing that was keeping them afloat is Flory. And he's out for a little bit period of time. By the time he comes back, they... They might be too far back. Well, too, didn't Dupuy just have to announce, you know, he's ne- he's retired now, right? Yeah, and actually they put him on long-term IR, and they were able to use some of that uh, cap relief from that to be able to make the trade for Daly for Scuderi because even though they made similar money, uh, similar money, uh, similar salaries, excuse me, uh, the Penguins are paying, I believe, Roughly a third of Scuderi's salary, so that that means they're picking up a third of that cap hit. And I think he's a good fit for the Hawks. I do too. I think um, he might replace some of that experience on the back end that Oduya took down to Dallas. Um, I, yeah, I, and you could put Scuderi if you could put Rob Scuderi in a third line on a team like the Hawks, only ask him to play twelve, thirteen minutes a night. I, I think that can work out well. Yep, get him on the penalty kill. It'll be a good. The only thing I'll say about the Penguins guys is anyone who's watched this team play over the last number of seasons, no, they don't necessarily. Yeah, does does Crosby or Malkin need another winger? Yeah, sure, I guess. But the the issue really isn't that they needed more top six depth. Their defense is awful. They can't transition the puck up the ice. It's we're going to talk about it with the Oilers, and it's outside of Latang, no one can transition the puck really up ice. Matt has had a bad year. Um, like you guys said, they're top heavy on their cap, so they're they're struggling, and it's it's you know they've been coached poorly. It's a poor system. They've been you know coached incorrectly for the players they have. Put it that way. But if you can't transition the puck up the ice in today's NHL, and you can't get those guys the puck from the back end. They're not going to create any offense. And, yeah, Crosby isn't the same player he was. Unfortunately, we probably lost the prime years of his career um, after that hit with uh, the elbow from Steckel. Um, but at some point, to be quite honest with you, if they don't look at trading either him or Malcolm... They're hey, hey, let's pick this up after the break. Hello, hockey fans. This is Mark Warner of the Vegas Hockey Podcast. This episode of the show can be found on HockeyTalkRadio.us, the Internet's first 24-hour-a-day streaming hockey talk. Check it out. All right, we're back. Sorry I had to cut you off like that, Rob. I lost track of time on the first segment of the show there. We were finishing up talking about the problems in Pittsburgh, so to speak, uh, where were we at with that, Rob? Well, pretty much it just comes down to, in my mind, that the top players have to be the top players, right? Yes, the, the, the defense, like I said earlier, that's an issue transitioning the puck, but at some point your big guys have to be able to produce. So whereas a lot of people seem to be willing to almost give Crosby a pass, um, 
I'm not. If he's that guy, he's gotta, you know, he's gotta find a way to get that team over the hump, especially once you take into consideration their lack of success in the playoffs over the last number of years. And everyone can point to Mark Andre Fleury all they want. It's, it's the Pens didn't lose every year in the playoffs because of Fleury. You know, it's, it's a team thing, and you know, they they haven't come up when needed. And he, and he's that guy. He's the superstar, the face of the franchise, the face of the league. You know, it's up to him to produce. He's got to he's got to find a way. You think he's feeling that? Maybe, maybe for the first time in his career, do you think he's actually feeling that right now? Probably. You know, it, you, again, you guys don't live in Canada, but during the uh, the Olympics, both times in the Olympics, Crosby didn't have very good Olympics. Both of the last two, remember that. And he started to feel it here nationally, but he got huge goals in the Olympics, right? Yeah, I remember one on Ryan Miller. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I remember one of them. <laughs> so you get those goals and you just, oh, it's no big deal, right? But but again, to be fair, is is he that generational talent? Sure. But is he a Lemieux? Is he a Gretzky? No, I never thought he was and I still don't. But it's a different game. It's a completely different game. So, you know, it's it's a tough it's a tough situation for him to be in, I'm sure. Uh, he's not an idiot. He can see that lineup is short on the back end and they don't have much depth elsewhere. But, you know, at some point, you got to step up and, and find a way to win games. Chicago does it. And granted, oh, Chicago's man. got a great defense. But that, that, when they need goals, Days or Kane does it, right? Um, how about in uh, the, we were just talking a little bit off the air about the, the Ducks in Game 7 last year. How about Jonathan Taves there, huh? <laughs> Score, well, scores from behind the goal line, right? <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> you got to find a way to get it done, right? So I, I don't think the pen, the Pens will miss the playoffs. They'll find a way to get in, but I, I think as we were talking off air, Chris, uh, Chris had mentioned that there's no way of really making that sort of impact deal during the regular season, and I think he's bang on. He's really not. It's it's such a big move if you're moving a big guy like that. It's got to be done in the in the off season or at the draft. Yeah, that, that uh, before we jump right into the Oilers here, and I'm ready to go. I would just since we're talking a little Blackhawks there, I want to give a stick tap to Patrick Kane. He had the the longest game point scoring streak by a U.S. born player snapped earlier in the week at 27 games, if I if I have that right. But uh, that's another another around the league point. That doesn't happen every day, obviously. The record for a U.S. born player still had. 20-some-odd games to go to get to the, the Great Ones record, but still, that uh, he's pretty much had that team on his back this whole season. And with, let's just say, the distractions at the start of the season that he was dealing with, he could have been excused for coming out less than focused and maybe with his attention elsewhere, just to use a whole bunch of euphemisms in a row. But, uh, man, did he come out on fire. And uh, you got to give that, that guy a lot of credit for you know, putting his team on his back and, and carrying him as far as he has. So just a little stick tap there, Patrick Kane. Uh, and now we'll jump, we'll jump right at it. Uh, Edmonton Oilers hockey. Just, uh, I wanted to get your take. I think we're 34, 35 games into the, the Peter Shirelli and Tom McClellan era. And what's just the general consensus on how, how they may have changed the, or, or started to change some of the culture there. And obviously there's a lot of work left to do, but are, are we seeing strides in, in Oiler Nation? Um, I think so, yeah. Um, it's funny, though, because prior to the, 
six-game win streak, you know, everyone here was losing it, right? Like, sky was falling yet again, you know. Um, uh, coming into the season, again, fans, I get it. They're, if you've lived here, you'd know it's been a long time, obviously, since not it, never mind a postseason appearance. It's just all the losing, right? And people want to change. They saw McDavid coming. They saw the new management team. They saw the new coach coming in, and they expected instant turnaround but it's not realistic right doesn't happen that way no it's not no (laughs) no and they had a huge turnover again um this is what i think this is hall and yeah i think hall's fourth coach since he's been in the nhl fourth or fifth i've even lost track like you need time to change how you play to each coach and to your point earlier with regards to McClellan's way of doing it yeah they're they're slowly doing it but it takes time right the Oilers had a lot of bad habits but I kind of go back to what I always say with the Oilers they haven't had veteran quality veteran players in any sort of situation to help these kids out from the moment Hall and Eberle got here to now and they still don't now they're those veteran players. So huh, right. there's still time, right? They need time. Going going to the point of uh, changing the culture, it took, I mean, Dean Lombardi with the Kings came in with a, a five-year plan, six-year plan, whatever, whatever it was. And he started, I believe he started with Mark Crawford and then Terry Murray, who... I think he did a great job when Kopitar and Brown and the start of Dowdy's career and getting them to be a defensive responsible group. Um, he had a great system. And if you if you didn't play two ways, you didn't play. And obviously, that he, I think he took that club as far as he could. And then obviously, Coach Sutter came in and as they say, the rest is history. But um, do you see that kind of a progression? Is Oiler Nation ready to wait on a five-year plan, um, get, given the Connor McDavid is, is on board now and the new management team? Um, could Oiler Nation be patient enough to wait through a five-year plan? Oh, no. no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I had a feeling that was the answer, but I had to ask the question. <laughs> Yeah, no, it won't. Like, uh, I think any, like I said, any level-minded fan who looked into the season looked at it. Like, my, what I expected from this team is if everything went well, they maybe battle for a playoff spot most of the year and finish somewhere 10 to 12. And in my mind, they can do that, which I'm pretty surprised with the state of their defense and McDavid's injury being what it was. Um, that said, next season, they lose a lot of money off the cap. A lot of people are going to be done salary wise they're off they'll probably buy out Ference. Um that's when I expect Peter Charlie to make a move in the offseason they go into the new building next season and they have to be a playoff team next season um, yeah that's no ifs ands or buts it, it has to be or these guys will start uh, start losing it they'll tell you that <laughs> in the good old city of champions <laughs> I was going to ask you how the new arena is coming along ours is going to be done here in April it's gorgeous how is uh, how's the new arena there look yeah, it's really it's it's, uh, it's it's pretty impressive. Like when you when you just see it, it's it's just massive. And uh, the downtown area in Edmonton's a, a little different. It's unlike most cities where 
downtown is like the core of your city. Right. Uh, Edmonton, it's kind of, that's not how it's set up. There are other areas, but that, they're hoping will rejuvenate the whole area, and, and I'm guessing it will in time. Uh, the building looks absolutely stunning, though, and from what everything we've heard, from what it's going to be on the inside, um, it's going to be, you know, state-of-the-art. So I don't think they're really pulling much in the way of punches there, so it should be great, and hopefully the team's ready to take that next step. Um, the, will, the thing I will say on occasion, you still you do see it when they there's, – there's some excitement with the team, right, which is what I love because at times – the NHL for me can come a little, comes a little boring at times. I'm fine with defensive hockey, but a little too much is too much for me. Like I need some offense, and this is coming from a guy who's a goalie, <laughs> but still, like uh, <laughs> I need some offense, right? So when I see the Oilers, you know, showing something, a team like the Oilers or the Islanders, uh, currently the Hawks, whenever or Dallas is another perfect example this year, um, that I look forward to moving forward, and hopefully the Oilers can help in that in that vein as well and improve the overall game in the league it being a copycat league and all chris you want to jump in yeah i got a few a few questions on the defense obviously you know uh it's been better of late probably uh, especially during the six game winning streak although you have that crazy game with the rangers but you know, this team is third from the bottom in terms of goals given up per game i mean i i understand the oilers are playing some young defensemen like you know, uh, who are still, you know, getting their feet wet. And, and I think Sakara was a very solid ad. But, it, I mean, uh, it seems to me you're still at least another veteran defenseman away. And I'm not even, I'm not 100% sure of the goaltending. What can you say about, I guess, really the overall team defense? Because sometimes when we talk about goals given up per game, we, we lose sight of the fact of, you know, the forwards' uh, defensive responsibility. What would you say about, have you seen strides? Uh, that the numbers aren't as bad as they look, or how do you feel about that, Rob? From a forward standpoint, I think there has been strides made in the right direction, right? There, again, offensive players are going to make mistakes on occasion, right? So, But there are strides there. Um, their lack of depth at center right now hurts, obviously. Um, but defensively, the issue they have is Sakara is the only thing they have that's close to uh, – a top four NHL defenseman, right? And you, it's hard, <laughs> even as bad as the Pacific Division has been this year, it, it's hard to, you know, survive with that. Like, I love Darnell Nurse, but Darnell Nurse makes mistakes every game, but he's 20 years old right now, and he's playing top four minutes. Brandon Davidson has come out of nowhere and has been fantastic, you know, and he's arguably been one of their three or four best defensemen this year, but, you know, he shouldn't be playing 20 minutes a night. Mark Fain got sent to the minors. They recalled him up because Clefbaum's injured. Clefbaum's been great, but he's hurt, you know. So they got injuries everywhere. Like tonight's game against Winnipeg, Davidson and Clefbaum are both out with injuries. So you're looking at a defense that's going to have Sakara, Nurse, Nikitin, uh, Schultz, who's been terrible this year yet again, although he did have a bad back injury. He was uh, he had suffered and had to work through. A Griba, like you guys see Griba from Ottawa, like come on. Grab is a six seven guy at best. There's been times this year where he's been playing twenty minutes a night. So there's there's just too many holes. And the goaltending, to be honest with you, Talbot's been up and down. He's been good lately. And Nielsen, who you guys are familiar with in on Long Island there, Chris, he's been fantastic. He's been really good. Um and at uh, twenty five years old, you know, there's the, uh, there's the opportunity of maybe him turning into something. He's your typical big goalie who blocks the puck, but he's been pretty darn good. Yeah, I can tell you from the, from the past, because 
the Islanders drafted him a while ago, and he was actually part of the Nicoletti trade. Yeah. And the book on him was, you know, they thought he had potential, but it was going to take a little extra time due to his size. And um, you know, I'm glad to see he's getting the opportunity, although I know the Oilers gave up, a, you know, a couple of nice draft picks to get Talbot. Um, well, I was kind of surprised uh, using the Islander connection again. Because um, it seems to me you you got like you said you guys uh, at a fair minimum were screaming for another top four proven uh, reliable defenseman. I was going to get into you know what forward do you think they'd be willing what forwards they would be willing to move for that guy. And as you know, uh, I'm sure you saw Rob that you know Travis Hamanick, due to a family situation, requested a trade at the end of September and. I mentioned this at a couple of, a couple of shows ago. I said, you know, to me, a team that was really smart, instead of looking at it like, okay, let's see if we can steal Travis Hamannick and guard Snow, someone would say, you know, this is a real opportunity. And it, it seems to me Travis Hamannick would be a perfect fit for the Oilers in terms of he's already at a place where you need a defenseman for. And while he's not, you know, I'm not saying he's Ray Bork, offensively, but he's so solid defensively and physical, and he's only 25, uh, plus his uh, contract uh, being what it was. A little surprised that the Oilers didn't really roll up their sleeves uh, uh, for him. Uh, maybe that'll be revisited in the offseason. Got about 30 seconds, Rob. That would be kind of a perfect guy. About 30 seconds for your take on Travis Hamannick. Well, yeah, I think he'd be a great fit. Uh, there was rumor that they looked at it this summer, they before they actually acquired Reinhardt. Um, but again, the issue with them is the Islanders want a defenseman, right? And the Oilers don't have that defenseman. Unless I mean, giving up platform or nurse doesn't make sense from their standpoint, and from an Islander standpoint, it doesn't help them in the here and now. All right, with that, we'll go to the break, and we'll be right back. Hello, hockey fans. This is Mark Warner with the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Make sure you check out HockeyTalkRadio.us, the first 24-hour streaming hockey talk station on the net. And we're back from the break. I want to correct an earlier... Earlier misgiving on my part, I had written down Rob's Twitter handle incorrectly, and I apologize for that, sir. It's oil underscore drop, not uh, oil underscore dump, like I said before. I had it written down wrong, and my apologies, sir. All good, Brad. All yeah, good. my bad, my bad. Anyway, we were just going to finish up with the, the Travis Hamannick talk there. Um, consensus being he'd be a great fit there. He'd love to play there, but there's – really not a defenseman to go the other way which is really what we were talking about the Oilers one of their big problems is so with that Chris I think you had one more to go right I did I and again it deals with an, an ex-Islander as well uh, sorry to bring up the ex-Islanders but I think this guy's a very important piece for the Oilers going forward and that's Griffin Reinhardt uh, I know he's in the AHL uh, I still believe that Griffin, maybe I'm biased, but I still believe that he'll be a solid defenseman, maybe kind of uh, your number two on your second pairing. Um, he, may not, he may not excel in any particular category, but I think he'll be solid throughout. Well, you can give us a status there, Rob. I mean, uh, with all the injuries the Oilers are having on defense, has he been a consideration of a call-up, or he's just 
flat out not ready because, I mean, as you know, the Oilers gave up a lot to get him, and they gave up the, the 16th in the uh, pick in the draft, which was Matthew Barzell, which uh, the Islanders are very thankful for, and uh, the 33rd <laughs> pick in this draft, which was, which was a tremendous draft. So uh, what can you tell us about Griffin Reinhardt and where he's at right now? Well, he, he did make the team out of camp, right? And, again, there's growing pains, right? I know you could tell us flat out from during the brief time he had with the Islanders. You know, there's, he has a lot to learn still. He's a kid, and he turns 22 next month in mid-January. He's still 21. Um, and as I said earlier, the Oilers don't have any depth on their defense. So what was happening is he was playing third-pairing minutes, usually with Griba. And Griba can't move the puck. He's a turnover machine in his own end. And I'm sure you guys have noticed with Reinhardt, at times, even though he's big, he doesn't always engage physically. Um, again, I saw him play a lot with the Oil Kings, and he was even an issue at junior at the junior level. The difference was at the junior level, he was dominant. He could pretty much do what he wanted in his own end of the rink, right? So I think he can move the puck. He's a great passer of the puck. He's not a great skater. He's a smart guy. Um, but there, there's definitely, you know, he's, he still has a lot to learn. And the reason he's in Bakersfield now is because I think they looked at it from a standpoint of we have too many kids up here, and they do, right? Because essentially once Nurse came up, because Nurse started in Bakersfield, once he came up, you know, and they, they had some injuries come back, Reinhardt went down. And the other issue is, which is comical when you consider that the Oilers generally are near the bottom of the standings every year, they're a cap team if you look at bonus on a lot of these younger players, right? Like these guys are, if they come up, their salaries on bonuses are three, two to four million on all of them, right? So next thing you know, uh, you got, you, you become your cap, it's a cap issue, right? You got guys like Saren sitting on the sideline making three and a half million, not playing. You got Ben Scrivens in the minors. You had Nikitin in the minors. You had Fane in the minors. So. You know, that's part of the reason why he's not back up. I think, in to make a long story short, the rest of the season, I think if he gets some more seasoning, they bring in some quality vets next year. I think we see Reinhardt in that third-pairing role as a 5-6, and in a year or two's time, see if he graduates, like you said, into that second-pairing guy. I think worst-case scenario, he's a solid number 5, which is a lot. They gave up a lot, I agree, but, hey, you can't go back and change that now, right? Well, yeah, well, one thing we should keep in, keep in mind is the Oilers are only three points out of the third spot in the Pacific, which is an automatic playoff spot. So, you know, it's not like everything's gone perfect this year, but yet they're, you know, I mean, I know the division isn't the best. You know, outside of the Kings, I, I would say no one's played exceptionally well. But having said that, they're they're hanging in there. Well, that's just it. And, and let's not forget that that McDavid kid is pretty good. He's like, not bad. Uh, he only played <laughs> he played 13 games, but... Outside of the first two or three, which you could tell he needed time to, A, get used to the NHL, uh, playing uh, on a team that a, they were learning themselves from a new coaching staff, by his last seven or eight games, he was pretty dominant. And you got to remember, once he comes back, this lineup hasn't had him and Eberle in the lineup at the same time with the other guys. So with Dreisaitl and Hall going as well as they are, I know people are thinking, oh, he just goes back with Yakupov. If it's me, I play. I immediately put Eberle with McDavid. I put Nugent Hopkins back with Drysaddle and Hall, and then run with your top six, and you know, see where it goes. 
you got to see if you're going to move a guy like Everly in the offseason for a defenseman or a Nugent Hopkins, you got to see if these guys can, you know, if there's any magic. Because the Hall Dreisaitl one has been pretty, pretty apparent and it's helped carry this team to, like you said, staying in the playoff race, albeit in a weak Pacific division this year. I wanted to ask what the update is on, on Connor McDavid coming back. Is there any latest news on how he's coming along? Um, they said they made it official a couple of days ago that he's actually skating now. Um, they haven't come out and flat out said when they expect him back. My initial guess was always right around end of January, start of February. Uh, to be honest, just we, you know, he's been in town a bit over the last month and a, in a while. He's also been home, back with family and training and such. Um, if I were to put a date on it, I'd probably guess mid-January now, you know, uh, okay. best-case scenario. But again, worst-case scenario, you're looking end of January, start of February. Just right after um, the All-Star break, he, maybe. Exactly, right? And if <laughs> if they, again, that six-game winning streak allowed them to crawl back into the, the race. So if they can stay close to 500 from now until then. And one thing people don't realize is the Oilers have had one of the worst schedules in all of hockey. You go look at it, and it's it's been awful. Like their road trips that they've had from the first road trip of the season, where it was what St. Louis, Nashville, Dallas, like to open the year, and then they played St. Louis again in the first game at home. Like, yeah, it's it's been ugly. So once they get rid of that, they get McDavid back. Who knows? They might be able to sneak in, and I'd be stunned if it happens. But hey, it would be pretty cool if it did. I wanted to ask one more thing, given the fact. Um when Lundqvist was injured last year and Talbot came in and, and I won't say saved their season single-handedly, but he did play very well while Lundqvist was out. Um, has, has, were the expectations maybe a little high on him going in considering he has been a backup goalie? And what's the is, is he going to come back around and take hold of that number one spot again, or, or are we happy with where we're at there in goal? Um. In my opinion, I think it was a little unrealistic, but I'm a bit of a, I'm a bit of a stickler with goalies. Um, I'm I'm pretty hard on the guys who were backups. They got to prove because to me it's it's an all different together beast to be a starter in the NHL that plays 60 games as opposed to even if you come in and play a bunch of games in relief, you know you're not the number one, right? In, right. in New York, it, Lundqvist was the man, right? So coming in here, I, I will say I was really impressed with his rebound control and such early on. Uh, and still am, but what he did is he started to let in the odd bad goal at the wrong time, uh, and it cost him. And Nielsen started playing well. Uh, that said, Talbot's playing again tonight, so he's you know that's three three of the last five. Nielsen's hit a bit of a wall, starting with that Ranger game here um, that the Oilers won seven five. He didn't look very good on the weekend against the Avalanche. So, in all honesty, if Talbot plays well starting tonight against Winnipeg. That could be. Uh, you know, it's his opportunity now. Sure. I don't think anyone expected Nielsen to run with it, right? So, all right. Well, before we let go ahead, Chris. I think you're just real quick on Talbot. Um, I'd be curious how Edmonton handles it because, I mean, especially as we all know, last year's draft was a very special draft. So, you know, especially even second and third round and fourth round picks were were very valuable. I mean, if memory serves correct, I believe the Oilers gave up. A late two and maybe I want to say a three or a two and a four. So they, t- yeah, they know, gave up. Talbot is. Go ahead, Rob. Yeah, go ahead. No, they gave up the two picks and then they swapped picks. 
with the Rangers. So yeah, you're right. It was a two and a three, and then I think they swapped fours. Right, right. So they gave up a you know they gave up a lot in there, and uh, he is a UFA. So I'd be curious of based on what they gave up, and he is a UFA at the end of the year. Yeah, how how Edmonton handles all that. Yeah, no, and it's a fair question, right? And he he has to show over these next, I'd say, well, I guess the next month and a bit, right? Let's say the next month and a half, maybe two months. To sh- he has to prove to them, yeah, we want to sign this guy, or prove that he's good enough for you know a team to grab him. He has an insurance policy for the playoffs, or if there's an injury. Um, obviously, teams out east that play defense, a defensive style know what he can do with the Rangers. Like, let's not kid ourselves. The Rangers play a pretty defensive style at times, and he, you know, he's really good in that sort of setting. So, But you're right. If they don't sign him, um, if they come to that decision, he's not our, our long-term goalie, then A, these guys got to move him to get a piece back to, like you said, help offset what they gave up earlier for him. And Nielsen's under control, right? He's 25. They, he's, he only signed, he was on a one-year deal, but they, he's theirs for another year or so. So we'll see, and then if that's the case, they go back into the free agent market or trade market and look for number one, and the ongoing uh, goalie carousel continues in Edmonton. Oh, my goodness. Well, hey, before we let you go, we got about four minutes left. Since this is the Vegas Hockey Podcast, I wanted to just get your take on expansion and uh, what your thoughts are on where the league's headed. Uh, well... As far as the expansion thing goes, I wasn't 100% sold on the Vegas idea, but honestly, if they don't expand to Vegas, I'd be stunned, right? Um, that would be the one. That I really honestly think there's only going to be the one expansion team going in at first. I really do. I think it's just going to be Vegas, and then we'll kind of see from there. I think that's um, kind of where the league is hinting they're headed with. Yeah. Well, and I honestly think, like, let's not kid ourselves, Quebec... Um, the idea that Quebec can't do it. I know people have talked about the Canadian dollar and the market and this, this, and that. Yeah, well, Winnipeg's doing fine, and I think Quebec would do the same thing. But Quebec's that ace in the hole in the back pocket, right? So if they need to, you know, get rid of an Arizona, get rid of a Florida, get rid of uh, whatever, pick your team. Yeah, like Carolina, any of them. There's so many of them, though. It's clear Batman doesn't want to get rid of any of those spots. Um, if they do, they, they have that there. That's their backup plan. And the other thing, there's that east-west balance thing, right? Yeah. That's imperative. I, the issue that the Seattle thing kind of fell through um, doesn't really uh, help them out in any way, shape, or form. Right? No. I think they wanted Seattle more than they wanted Vegas. Oh, I agree wholeheartedly, 100%. I think they were all set to go with Seattle and Vegas, balance the conference, move Carolina to Quebec City, three new markets, a very traditional market, a new market near Canada, and and a brand new untraditional market to expand the game. I think that was their footprint. And I think with the arena deal in Seattle falling through, really, uh, uh, that's not really what the league was looking for. But I think the Vegas case was so strong that... Um, a hundred percent privately financed arena, hundred hundred percent privately financed uh, expansion fee, um, and almost fourteen thousand season tickets sold. Now that if they let yeah. us get that far into it, and then say, "Well, never mind," I don't think they'll be welcome back. <laughs> no, no, <I> <laughs> in a nutshell, you, you honestly see. 
do you see Vegas as a long-term possibility where it will, will work, you, you, you figure? You know, I really do. And we've got about yeah. a minute and a half left, but we have, we have you know, the 14,000 season seats. And I, I know Winnipeg sold out like in three minutes, but they knew they were getting a team. We sold these tickets. Oh, it's Canada too, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We sold these seats with, like if I started up a winter concert series and I had 41 dates in a brand new arena that someone spent $500 million for and I put $500 million down down on it and I couldn't tell you if I was going to have a band or not, do you think I'd sell 14,000 seats for it? Probably not. Yeah, yeah. Well, Vegas yeah. sold 14,000 seats for hockey. And you know what? There's a lot of Canadians transplanted down here. I see Oilers hats. I see Winnipeg hats. I, I see Vancouver Canucks hats, Canadians hats all the time and have for years. Um, we yeah. got a, There's a lot of people from Chicago here. There's a lot of people from Minnesota here. And I'm a Kings fan. I grew up that way. But I have my season tickets on hold. I'll always be a Kings fan. But I'm going to support the local the local team when we get one my 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 bet is they announce us at the all-star break so that's where my money lays um let me if you can hang on i'll take us to a break and we can finish up a little bit hello hockey fans this is mark warner with the vegas hockey podcast make sure you catch this episode on hockeytalkradio.us the internet's first 24 hours seven day a week streaming all hockey talk radio station check it out And we're back from the break, and we're about to jump on Mark Warner's soapbox for the Vegas expansion bid. No, we were just we were just talking talking with Rob and Chris about the Vegas expansion bid, and we were uh, questioning the viability of the long term success of a franchise. And and one thing I said I was off the air, I believe, when we were talking about the history of hockey in Las Vegas, and all of the hockey teams that we've had here have drawn consistently above the league average when the IHL was here and when we had the Las Vegas Thunder with uh, consistently above uh, league average with the ECHL, usually top five. Um, neither one of those teams folded up shop because there wasn't an income stream. The The Thomas and Mac got into a public dispute about the facility with the Stickneys when they were the owners and they said, okay, your lease is up, you can leave now. And left them left them without a place to play. It wasn't a revenue based or attendance based decision. And the same thing happened, oddly enough, with the ECHL Las Vegas Wranglers, where they were, you know, usually top ten. Um, you have a bad year, you go down a couple spots in attendance. That's expected, but never below the league average of of attendance. And Saturday nights and Friday nights were always sold out, and then Tuesday nights. Um, it was a struggle sometimes to get 5,000 in the arena, but that's that's the nature of minor league hockey. Um, yeah. Not to take a jab at Quebec, but even when the Remparts were playing for the Cup uh, there in Quebec City, they didn't sell out their own arena. So um, it's understandable when you have lower-tier hockey that you're not going to draw 17,505 every night or whatever the case may be. Um, but we did. We hosted the first outdoor game in the modern era in Caesars Palace parking lot. We have uh, Frozen Fury comes here and has sold out every single season that the Kings have opened with Colorado. And last couple of years, they've expanded it to include the Rangers, too. So there is there is that, that 
core group of hockey fans here in Las Vegas that are hungry for it. And there's a lot of people, you know, everybody I talk to about it, I'm trying to give them a business card and, hey, listen to my show. You're going to love this. And they're just like, yeah, man, I'm not, I don't really follow hockey, but if we get a team, I'm definitely going to the games. We need to sports, you know. And there's, there's a lot of that. And I think one thing about hockey that lends itself is when you go to a live hockey game, the – the sounds of the game with the puck on the stick and the and the skates and the puck off the glass or the post or the checks in the boards. There's, a, there's just an energy in a hockey arena that I don't think you get in a baseball stadium and I don't think you get, you know, everybody screaming in a football stadium. But it just, it, you know, it just, it, to me anyway, and I'm a, I'm a lifelong hockey fan, um, I think once you can get some of the people into the arena locally, that would go to a Wranglers game once in a while or that have been here long enough from uh, the 90s with the Thunder. Um, yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to go check it out. I think once you get guys into a hockey arena, it's hard not to have a good time. Even if even if your team's not playing really well, it's still, I think, the best live sport to go to. I'm sure you agree with that, Rob. Oh yeah, for sure, without question. Um, um, go ahead. And, and the great thing with it is because hockey, basket, basketball is like that to a degree as well. It's just there's no start, there's no start, stop, start, stop. Right. I love baseball too. So, but I know some people find baseball boring, but I can sit at a baseball game for hours on end. Yeah. But each his own, right? Yeah. But the fact that there's no start, stop, you know, it's you like gotta football. be, you gotta be paying attention. Yeah, for sure. And I'll, I'll throw some numbers out there for everybody who, uh, everybody from Alberta who might listen to this show to listen to the Oilers talk and doesn't really know so much about our bid here in Las Vegas. We are the 30th largest market in North America, um, the largest market in North America that does not have a major sports team. We have 2.2 million full-time residents in the valley that actually live in houses and apartments and condos and we don't live in the hotels down on the strip the the you know all our kids can count higher than 21 um the uh the like i said before the 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 hockey teams that have played here have consistently financially been successful um the tv market the nielsen ratings we are the in, in the United States, um, the ninth-ranked hockey market of games watched among cities that have NHL teams and among all the cities in the United States that don't have hockey teams, we're the number one-ranked city in games watched in the Nielsen ratings. So there are built-in fans here. We don't – I've always said from day one – I. The, the people that want to come down, say say Minnesota or, or Edmonton for that matter, you could plan a pretty nice uh, winter break in the Sun Belt by catching a Kings game, a Ducks game, a Vegas game, and a Coyotes game. If That seems to be a reasonable road trip that could get scheduled. And, yeah, you know, you guys might get tickets if you guys come down. But, uh, you know, we I think that once – and again, I'm going to go on record. I think we're getting our team at the All-Star break. That's how Bettman likes to do things. He likes to be a grandstand. He likes to get all eyes upon him before he, you know, before he announces anything. 
and they can say there's no timetable for it and this and that. Well, the week before Atlanta moved to Winnipeg, he was quoted as saying, well, I don't know where any of these rumors are coming from. They're not fact, fact-based fact sources. Atlanta's not going anywhere. And one week later, they were on their way to Winnipeg. So they can slowball this all they want, but we're going to get an announcement at the All-Star break. And I think we're going to see another surge, another 1,000, 1,500 season tickets sold or so. So... The arena is going to hold around 17,300, 17,500 for hockey. And we'll have, I'm optimistically, say 15,500 season tickets sold. Now, the lower bowl is sold out already. And those had a minimum three-year commitment. The upper end sections, the P6 sections, are sold out. And those had a one-year commitment. All of our luxury boxes are sold out with a 10-year minimum commitment. And the luxury boxes were sold after the ticket drive reached 11,000 local-only seats. They weren't big blocks of seats bought up by the casinos. The league had had a mandate that we had to get to, it was either 10 or 11,000. The official number was never made public. But they, they announced that they were beginning the second phase of ticket sales targeting corporations after they publicly announced that they had 11,000 in private sales. So there is, there is a fan base here. Hopefully, uh, hopefully some of you guys can come on down and, and, you know, during a couple of minus 10 Januarys, come on down, uh, bring your shorts, and we'll have a couple beers by the pool and watch some hockey. It's going to be a good time. <laughs> The last thing I would add, too, about in terms of Vegas is uh, just telling you guys off air is uh, they, uh, they're going to have a very deep-pocket, smart, and dedicated owner. And uh, whenever you have that in any of sports, usually good things happen. I mean, look at, uh, uh, not that I'm the biggest fan of his, but look what Mark Cuban did for the Dallas Mavericks. I'll give you another example. It's Terry Pagula in Buffalo. I I I sat down and had lunch with Mr. Foley, and I believe he's going to be that type of an owner, very hands-on, very interested in the hockey process. Um, we were talking to he has he 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 his dad was stationed up in Alberta, I believe Alberta, um, when he was a kid, and he, he between his five-year-old and ten-year-olds, he was playing pond hockey up in in Canada. So he has that love of the game built in from a very young age. And I, I, we, we just sat there and talked playoff hockey for like an hour. And it's a great guy. The type of owner Las Vegas needs. Um, you don't need the standoffish billionaire who's going to do an interview and hop in his limo and head off to the airport to get out of town. Um, he bought a house here. He's moving. Uh, he has a lot of businesses, but I, his his title business is about a nine billion dollar business, and he's moved. He's moved his headquarters here, so he's going to be a local hands-on owner. And he's, he's, uh, his goal is playoffs in three years, compete for a Stanley Cup in eight years. And just from talking to him, I know that he's going to do everything it takes to uh, make that happen for us. Well, it sounds like you guys are passionate about it. At least you are, my man. So if uh, there's that many fans out in Vegas, it'll be great. It's going to be a good time. And and like like I said, I don't think there's any market in the country or Canada that could tolerate nine. Well, I'm talking to Edmonton and other guys, so i got to watch what I say. You guys still fill your arena most nights. But uh, definitely definitely below the Mason-Dixon line there on the border. Uh 
not too many cities, and that's, that's true with any sport. Not too many cities are just going to keep showing up over and over and over and over and over again if you're trying to force feed them, uh, you know, whatever it be, a, a $58 million cap team who's consistently in the lottery. It, you're going to lose fans in any sport, and I, I would expect that to be the same here with hockey. Don't get me wrong. I don't think in year eight, excuse me, if we've missed the playoffs eight years in a row and and – frittered away draft picks and this and that um which i don't see happening but you never know um i don't expect the arena to be full at that point but i wouldn't expect that of of 90 percent of the teams in the league either so yeah no that's completely fair i gotta give an honest assessment about that but i i think that's true with you know most people know vegas from let's face it a five mile section of road where there's like 80 billion dollars in real estate development where people can come and lose their minds for a weekend but you know um we were talking off the air my kid just got her third degree black belt there's people who work here live here spend their whole lives here raise their families here and one thing we need to bond our community to is a professional sports franchise. And if the NHL does take that step, I applaud them for for being the groundbreaking uh, entity that does bring that to Las Vegas. And I firmly believe that it's going to pay off for them in the long run. I, I totally believe that. I think the city's excited and we can't wait. But thanks for thanks for jumping in on that topic. I always want to get a little bit of a little bit of Vegas plug out there since I'm here and excited for the the news to come. Um, Rob, anything else you want to throw out there before we let you go? Uh, no, other than the Oilers being up two nothing already. Woo woo! There you go. <laughs> Who's got the goals? And the, and, the, and, the, and the Islanders won as well. So I, I think this is the second time the podcast has been on. A game that when the Islanders played and they won both. So, Mark, if this trend continues, come playoff time, I'll have to do a podcast every Islander game just to warn you. Not some superstitious, but. Um, it depends on who you're playing. <laughs> well, we, beat, we beat the Ducks, so. Okay, yeah. We'll be happy I, to know I, we beat the Ducks. I actually I love be it. happy to know we beat the Ducks. I'm very happy to see the Ducks lose. No offense, Duck guys. <laughs> All right, well, you can catch you can catch Rob at thehockeywriters.com. He's obviously their Oilers contributor. He does a great job over there. Um, his Twitter handle, I'm going to get it right again, at oil underscore drop. Um, and I think that's going to wrap it up. We're coming up a couple minutes from a break. Uh, Chris, any last words tonight? Uh, everyone have a happy and safe holiday, and uh, thanks again to Rob uh, for joining the show. We'd love to have him back. Uh, um, maybe before the trade deadline. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, same to you guys, guys. Or same to you guys as well. Have a great holiday season. Is thanks for having me on the show. It was a pleasure. Anytime you want me back, just let me know. Be it Oilers talk or not, I'm more than happy to jump on with you guys. It was a pleasure. Love it, man. Good hockey talk tonight. Good hockey talk. I had a good time. All right, well, with that, we're going to let everybody get out of here. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the show. We appreciate it. We always appreciate your feedback on Twitter and at Mark Warner at VegasHockeyPodcast.com. So uh, feel free to... Feel free to send in anything, ideas for the show, teams you want us to get get a hold of and keep track of. Give me your uh, feedback on tonight's show, and uh, we'll shoot you a T-shirt or something. We always appreciate you guys coming in. So thanks again, Rob. Appreciate it. We'll let you know when it's uh, when we get this produced and out on the air. Uh, Chris, again, Merry Christmas to both you guys, and happy holidays for whatever winter winter festivals everybody chooses to celebrate. 
And with that, we're gone.